Hello, and welcome to our podcast, 7B, where I'm your host, Allie DeAngelis, and I will be walking you through my first 100 days as a reporter for Bonner County Daily Bee. So um, a little bit of background on that. I recently took this job, um, well, depending on how you see recently, uh, for the first three months of this job, I was working remotely in Virginia with my family, while we still had a lockdown because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And eventually I transitioned over um, and now I am living in Sandpoint and I've been here for about two months, but it's been a really interesting first 100 days. Um, I've covered now a little over a hundred stories and I thought it'd be really fun to reflect on some of those experiences, some of the challenges um, that the community has been facing because of the pandemic at this time, and what it's been like as an outsider to get to know the community while you are fully immersed in trying to create and draft stories for a community that are heartfelt and really speak to the people that are living here. So um, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and jump right in. It's going to be a two-part segment. And this first part, I'll be reviewing my first five out of the 10 stories that really hit home with me, resonated with me. I just had either a fun time writing the stories and getting getting to know some of the people in the community, or I just thought that they were really important to reflect on in this time where it feels like there's a lot of uncertainty, especially as the city government and education reporter, we're going into this place where we may or may not have remote or blended learning or in-person learning. Uh, We've gotten so adjusted to wearing masks in public and to take us back 100 days from now and reflect on where we were. It's a completely different place in life. And I think what that will do is show us that we have made progress um, and that our community is incredibly resilient. So the first story I want to talk about is actually dealing with pets and how they have been affected during the COVID-19 pandemic. So this was my 10th story that I wrote for Bonner County Daily Bee. Uh, I wrote it in April or on April 15th. So what is this? August now, the days are just blurry, right? Um, Because of the pandemic, we're all in a weird mode. Um, But Yeah, this was months ago, four months ago, and I had the chance to talk to Dr. Don Mera from um, North Animal Hospital, and one of her quotes that she said to me was, I would say, be careful. What you are reading today may not be true tomorrow. There are multiple studies going on right now, like Fast and Furious, and the latest is that there is no evidence the COVID-19 infection can be transferred from pets to humans. So if you're like me and you love animals, that was a really reassuring statement. Um, At the time, I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but we were actually considering putting masks on our pets. We didn't know if it was safe to touch them on their nose, to give them a hug, to let our kids be around them. And if we could pass those particles back and forth. Um, So, It's interesting to think now 
how far we've come in that regard. I know that there still have been studies that some of the pets have or wild animals have contracted um, the COVID-19 virus. But um, for the most part, from going to operating on a fully telehealth plan for a veterinary hospital, uh, what they were saying was there was one silver lining with the pandemic on pets. And that was that a lot more pet owners were staying at home and having that bonding time with their pets. There was a lot more cases that were coming into the hospitals, but that was actually a result of pet parents that were paying more attention to their pets because they had the time to do so. So I really liked how in doing all of my research, there was a silver lining. Of course, understanding that some of those people that are home, it is because they were either unemployed or working remotely, but um, it was nice to remember that there are some things and some positives that you can look for even in the middle of a pandemic. So that was the first story I wanted to bring up. Um, And thank you, Dawn, for talking to me about this she was incredibly well-versed on the topic and she took the time to go through a bunch of research articles with me and share all the information she could possibly give. Uh, Number two on my list is when I got the chance to talk to a man, Chad Dunkel, who works with the University of Idaho's engineering department and he crafted a disaffected disinfectant station for N95 masks. So this was right in the middle of the time where we basically had Rosie the Riveters, you know, of people just ferociously sewing masks, sewing gowns, trying to collect gloves and any other safety equipment that we could at the time. And we sort of felt stuck, you know, we're sewing all these masks because Amazon did not have our fun unicorn-shaped masks for us to wear for, you know, a pack of three, $5.99. That didn't exist at the time. Um, And so instead, what we were looking for was how do we keep our nurse practitioners, doctors, surgeons, everybody in the medical field as healthy as possible when they're interacting with people that could potentially be infected. And Chad came up with this design um, actually by looking at a vegetable rack and the way that the lights were designed in a horizontal fashion to create a disinfectant station that could clean 24 masks per every 10 minutes. And so this station he created was specifically for N95 masks and it can operate for at least 12,000 hours um, until those UVC lights run out. I thought this was amazing. His first prototype cost him $800 and he offered up designs and different materials for anybody who thought that they might have the potential to make something like this or wanted to contribute to the community. And he was looking for places in Idaho and, you know, the Seattle, Washington state region, anywhere that he could give his design to hospitals in need. This 
was remarkable because it took us another step in the right direction of here's us sewing as many masks as we can, but why not save even more time and clean those masks too and keep them as clean as possible. Uh, And so Chad is actually a 2006 graduate from Sandpoint High School. That's where his roots are in Bonner County. And he finished talking to me with this last statement. He said, whether it's 3D printing masks or sterilizing equipment, we are certainly trying to help anywhere that we can. And Sandpoint is close to my heart. So... Uh, Thank you, Chad, for talking to me and just energizing me in this movement that we've had with resiliency. Uh, It it was very clear to me that this community is incredibly talented and passionate and caring for one another. Number three is with a young woman, a Sandpoint High School graduate. Her name is Ariana Terry. She's a young helicopter pilot from the Lake Pondere School District. And in this period of uncertainty with the pandemic, it was really cool to talk to somebody who was so confident in her career path and has always been so confident since she was, I think, a freshman in high school to become a helicopter pilot. Uh, So she is 18 years old. She got her license. And she's now a videographer with Global News, which is a Canadian television network. And everybody that I talked to about her said that she was so driven and focused from the moment that she was in high school. She knew where she wanted to go, how she wanted to do it. And the way she interacted with her guidance counselors, her teachers, her mentors was incredibly inspiring to me because I don't know about you guys, but in high school I had no clue of what I wanted to do with my life. And so to see somebody who knew that direction at a very young age is incredibly encouraging. Um, This is what her counselor, Geraldine Meyer, said about her. She said, a lot of times I work with students that are just kind of all over the board. She knew exactly what she wanted to do. She was just so secure and had it thought out. So that's a testament of Ariana Terry's personality And like I said, it was really cool to see somebody who was so headstrong, who got to where she wanted to be, who paved her own path, especially in a period of unknown and at such a young age. And moving down the list, um, number four on my list. This was a really fun project for me. So this was actually during Teacher Appreciation Week. And I thought it would be cool to give kudos to some of the teachers in, you know, West Bonner School District and Lake Ponderé and talk about their experience on creating creative solutions for their kids to remote learning. This was at a time where, you know, they had spring break technically, but not really. Um, It was spent with their family And eventually, of course, a lot of graduations didn't happen the way that we had planned. And so it was more of a fully remote learning model than the blended learning model that many schools are hoping to achieve in the fall on September 8th. Um, And at this time, I had the chance to talk to 
three teachers, three high school teachers. One was Rebecca Palmer, who is an English teacher from Clark Fork High School. And she said technology is her fun place. Uh, I can't exactly relate. I'm not skilled by any means with technology, but she was using that natural driven passion to help her coworkers in her spare time. So not only was she holding extra office hours for her students and creating all of these different ways to make it fun for their students to learn, but she was also helping her coworkers at the same time. And I thought that was really inspiring. Uh, She said that she preferred using things like Adobe Spark and Actively Learn, where students could annotate the Shakespeare plays that she was teaching in the classroom. And the most relatable thing I think a lot of teachers would say about the pandemic the theme that I was sensing over and over again in talking to all of these teachers is really encompassed in this one quote from Palmer. She said, it's hard being away from the kids. It's hard not having interaction with students in the classroom, but I think we are all doing the best we can to maintain the safety for what we need to do. So Over and over again, that was the theme that I got from teachers was it was heartbreaking to be away from their students. They wanted that in-person interaction, um, but they cared for the safety of their students and they did the best they can with what they were given and then some. Uh, So I thought that was really cool. And the second teacher that I spoke to, his name was Gary Stewart. He's a business teacher at Priest River Lamana High School since 1994. So he has been teaching since his late 20s, and he said it's always kind of been terrifying. <laughs> but after 26 years of teaching, he knew it was his calling. Um, and his teaching experience actually started when his appendix exploded in Texas. So... This was nowhere on his career trajectory, you know, completely reinventing himself to become a teacher and has been in Priest River ever since. Um, Where I am from in Gainesville, Virginia, if any of you guys know where that is, it's rural and city. It's certainly more city than Sandpoint, Idaho. So to hear about these teachers that are here for the long term, I think is incredibly powerful for the education system and to know that this community is so special that many people don't want to leave. I actually talked to a muralist, uh, Douglas Jones, the other day, and he told me that Sandpoint is sometimes referred to as the sand pit. So you guys will have to tell me if that's actually something that locals say but I thought that was really funny and he essentially said he's been here his whole life and that he doesn't plan on leaving anytime soon and crawling out of that sand pit (laughs) but the third and final high school teacher that I spoke to his name was Dalton Hawkins and he taught algebra science and physical science And he said his class would have been in the middle of learning gravity and energy transformations, but he had to slow things way down 
whenever he was teaching online, uh, he said, by not demonstrating, it's hard for kids to get it. It's hard to communicate without physically being present. So this is a, a challenge, I think, that's truly demonstrated in the sciences because when I think back to science classrooms, there are just so many things that I think about that required the kinetic energy and the interaction with students when it comes to science. And so I thought that that was a challenge that was important to bring up and how if we continue down this line of remote learning, what we can do to bridge that gap specifically with STEM. Um, But he did say he had a little bit of fun with his class and even though his class was only getting about a week's worth of assignments done in a two-week period, he made things a lot better for his students with having fun Zoom backgrounds, which was a big thing. I don't know if you guys remember that. Uh, He started out with a Hogwarts castle in the back and then transitioned to a unicorn one day and then his favorite ESPN logo the next. And it kept students engaged, which was exactly what they needed at that time. So my final story that I am going to discuss for this segment on part one of the 100 Days and 100 Stories is on Bonner County's Historic Museum and their COVID-19 project and their reopening plan. So the museum opened their doors again in May, uh, May 19th, but Heather Upton, the curator and interim executive director, Carly Johansson, who's the education specialist, and Hannah Combs, the museum administrator, put together an interactive online experience for people to stay connected to history during the COVID-19 pandemic. This is so cool to me because it will remain online. They're going to keep updating it. And not only that, they all worked on this project remotely. They did not work together. They didn't really ever go to the museum and meet each other. Um, Some of them were completely new to working at the museum all together and hired on, but they figured this symbiotic relationship out through online headquarters. And I, I love this quote. This was something that Carly Johansson said. She said, as soon as everything started moving online, All of a sudden, these magical things started happening on the web. We were seeing free programming from the late night shows in their living rooms and operas, free streaming, museum virtual tours, and immediately as a human being and also as an educator, I had this feeling that we needed to do something to serve our local community. So... That just shows you the drive and passion, again, that residents have in Bonner County to take what we're learning in the national news, form partnerships with other local art, you know, places, exhibits, museums, and make sure that we preserve what we already have, what's working well, during this pandemic, as well as 
using this as a period of time to reflect and adapt and provide even more experiences for the people that we can because although it's been uncomfortable for a lot of us to change, I do think a lot of us would also admit that some of these changes are going to be long-lasting and for the better. And one of these changes that I think is going to be incredibly impactful in the future is this online launch for the Bonner County Historic Museum. I think it's incredible that they've taken so many new programs on, such as walking tours, a podcast, and digitizing their photos, which they have over 70,000 of, for people to be able to interact in ways that we've never touched on before. And one other special thing that they did this year which correlates with the COVID-19 pandemic is Sandpoint Portraits. Um, And that's where communities could pay for a portrait on a porch um, to be a part of the hashtag stay home initiative and also be a part of history. And this was something I thought was incredibly unique because oftentimes we think of history as something that's in our past and it's always in our past, but it is also important to remember that we are building on our history as we go every day. We are a part of history, and somewhere somebody is going to want to know about how the Sandpoint community or Bonner County community fared with the COVID-19 pandemic. And I think it's really special that we all have that opportunity to document it and to archive it. So these three ladies have done wonderful things and I can't wait to see what else is going to be done in the future for the museum. And uh, that wraps up my part one of reviewing my first 100 days and 100 stories. Uh, If you like this segment, feel free to check out part two where I'm going to finish reviewing and reflecting the top 10 stories I've written so far and detailing the interactions I've had with this community. So for more information on these stories mentioned, you can check out the links below. And thank you for listening to 7B's podcast. I'm your host, Allie DeAngelis, and as always, have an awesome day.